Hello, my name is Katie. I am a student of Providence Baptist College. Please enjoy the following Maverick message. Amen. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that life is about more than sports. Amen. First Corinthians chapter nine. First Corinthians chapter nine. It's good to have the Hernandez family with us. Brother Alex graduated the year before me here at Providence Baptist College. Went down into Mexico, was working there. Let's see, you said you lived in California for a while. And now they are working at uh, reaching people in Greeley, Colorado. So praise the Lord for that. One of the things that I found out about people that I went to college with is that you didn't necessarily know a whole lot about them, but a lot of them are just still serving Jesus. Isn't that a blessing? And I'm so grateful for that. That is such an excitement to me to know that, you know, sometimes you look at the ones who are flashing the pan, you get frustrated because they didn't make it. But there's a lot of them just went out and were just faithful, serving God every day. And it's a blessing to see them. I don't think I've seen you since probably you graduated. So it was a blessing to see him. Uh, he was walking past it. Hey, hey, how you doing? And it was a blessing to see uh, him. And he apologized to me for maybe not always treating me right. And I apologized to him for maybe not always treating him right. And I said, man, I was just an American kid and you were just a Mexican kid. We were just trying to figure out life. And uh, we didn't know how to communicate. And, and uh, it was a blessing to see him, though. Uh, I'll tell you, when you're in college and you're with people in college, the people that you meet in college... Some of them are going to be the same 20 years from now, and some of them are going to be completely different. And you're going to find out that you maybe didn't get along with somebody or didn't even know somebody. Like, how can you go to college, the smallest province, and not know everybody? But you know what I hear a lot around here? My friend group. My friend group. I'm for you and your friend group, but how about you just try to be a friend to your friends and a friend to your enemies? Amen. It's okay to actually try to learn who people are around you and get to know them a little bit more. And there are times that I, I honestly don't know that we ever sat down and had a conversation together when we were in college. And that's probably very wrong. But I guarantee there's kids here, young adults here, excuse me. I believe there's young adults here. You probably have seen somebody, you know what you think you know about somebody. And that doesn't mean that you know anything about them because you've never actually talked to them one-on-one. And we ought to get to know each other. Amen. That'd be a blessing. First Corinthians chapter nine. I'm going to read the whole chapter, which means I got to preach short then. Amen. Yeah, short. I got to read the whole chapter because I want this, this to be a focal point for us. I believe that God's word needs to be the focal point of preaching. Thank you all three of you. Amen. God's word should be the focal point of preaching. It's not preaching if it's not God's word. It's just philosophizing. It's just sharing something from my heart. And the heart's deceitful. So I'm going to preach to you. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 9. Let's stand. Let's stand. I'll read the first verse. You join me on verse 2. We'll read down to the end of the chapter responsively. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. Mine answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? 
Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas? Or I only and Barnabas, have not we power to forbear working? Who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and that he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. But I have used none of these things. Neither have I written these things, that it should be so done unto me. For it were better for me to die, than that any man should make my glorying void. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, what is my reward then? Verily that, when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. <laughs> For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, <clears throat> being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? so run that she may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway." I want to preach a little bit today on what is your why? What is your why? Paul said, I have all power to lead about a life like anybody else, but I have made myself available to God. I have given myself, even when there wasn't a salary, even when nobody was supporting me, even when nobody else seemed to care, I did it for the gospel's sake. And I want to preach this morning on, you've got to have a why. 
if God's going to use you. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We ask you to take and use this message in our lives this afternoon. Lord, please speak through me quickly to these, your people. Lord, I ask that you would help all of these young people to realize that 20 years down the road when they see somebody else from Providence Baptist College that they haven't seen in all these years, that they can see somebody else who's been faithful and they also have remained faithful because they've had a why behind their what. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Why? Why serve Jesus? Why? So many times we have to ask ourselves the question, why do I do what I do or why do I not do what I don't do? So many times we have a why behind what we should not do and yet we still do it. Sometimes we have a why behind what we should do and yet we don't. Paul said this, he said, I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. He said, the things I want to do, I don't always do. And the things that I don't want to do, I sometimes do. And I get frustrated with myself. And I realize that my body of flesh, this flesh that I carry around with me, often gets in the way. And I've got to crucify my flesh with the affections and lusts. And I've got to serve God faithfully. But we've got to come down to a place of why. If God's called you to preach, that's the what. But you must have a why. Listen, I believe that God calls more people to preach than what want to answer. I believe there's young men here that you have not answered the call yet, but that doesn't mean God's not ringing your number every day. Something that I have figured out is that once you answer the phone one time for some sort of telemarketer, they, they never stop calling you. There is a number from Sheffield, Illinois, wherever that is, that calls me every day of my life. Guess what I don't do? I don't answer it. But what if that was God? And he is calling you. And he does want you to step out and be something different and not just lead about a wife. Not just go to warfare. Not just work a job. Not just do something else and gain profit off of it. Maybe he wants you to say, I will step out and go into the ministry and I know that God can care for me there. And It doesn't always seem like God's going to meet my needs the way I want them met if I go in the ministry, but I'm willing to say yes to God because he's worth serving. Amen. So many times in our life, we sometimes want to hold back when God wants us all in. One of the things we can laugh about with Peter is that he started to drown when he took his eyes off of Jesus. But the point of the matter is, nobody else has ever walked on water. But he was willing to step out of the boat. So many of you are, are, are holding back on God. And then some others of you, you've said, well, this is what God's called me to do. But you're not establishing now the why behind the what that will keep you in ministry long term. Brother Alex, how many times have you had an opportunity to maybe walk away and not serve God anymore because it might have been easier? Brother Hall, there ever been a time when you could have been offered a job to make six or seven times as much money as you make here with military service and, and, and being, being in leadership and military? All kinds of opportunity to walk away from ministry because it could have been easier and he could have led about a wife and they could have gone on a lot more vacations. Mrs. Hall saying amen over there, you know what I mean? There's a whole lot of things. Listen, they wanted to serve God. They had a why behind it. Didn't get out of the military before retirement at 20 years just to, just to, you know, lead about a better life financially. Got out of ministry because they had a why. They want to serve God. 
Listen, if God's called you, don't ever stoop to do something else. I think the old statement is if God's called you to be a servant, don't stoop to be a king. Why serve Jesus? Why fight the good fight? Why labor in prayer? Why invest $50,000 or so into getting a Bible college education? $50,000. Yeah, don't, don't, don't count it up right now. Why go into ministry when it's acknowledged that the work is hard, the hours are long, the expectations are high, the results are sometimes intangible, and the honor is often all or mostly postponed until eternity, and the finances are often really tight? Why? Why? Because there's a lot more to live for than the world. Don't trade heaven for the world. Don't trade eternal reward for earthly riches. Why? For every what that we have in our lives, we should have a valid why. What is your motivation? Some of you, for, for some of you, your why as to why you're here is my parents. For some of you, the why that will keep you from going all in for God is still going to be your parents. Because they want you to have a Bible college education for a year, but they don't want you to go into ministry. And I think that's sad, but in all actuality, if God's called you, don't you dare follow after your parents if God's called you a different place. I mean that. I believe in honoring your parents. I believe in obeying your parents. But if your parents want you to be the Borden executive and God's called you, like William Borden of Yale, to go and reach the Muslims, then by all means say, no reserves. I'm all in for God. No retreat. I'm not going back. I don't care what you offer me. I don't care what kind of a deal you give me. I don't care what kind of corner office I could get. I don't care what kind of education you're paying for. I don't care what kind of money's involved. I'm going to serve Jesus. And I don't care if I die at 20 something with no regrets because I want to serve God with my life. What is our motivation? That also has to be asked. What is our purpose? Because a whole lot of times we allow our profession to get in the way of our purpose. You know, Jesus, when he was entering into ministry, the people said, is not this the carpenter? They didn't say, is not this the son of the carpenter? They said, is not this the carpenter? And are not his mother and brethren with us? What happened to Joseph? Probably Joseph died. Probably Jesus was hand to the business. Probably Jesus was well known for doing quality work. I mean, a perfect guy, he probably did pretty good work, huh? <laughs> never held back, never cut corners, always had precision with his cuts. You know, can you imagine being perfect? That'd be awesome, right? But it's not just the carpenter, but he did not let his profession get in the way of his purpose. And at some point he looked at his brothers and said, enjoy the business, I'm going to serve my father. Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business. That's your father's business. This is my father's business. Listen, I'm grateful that my dad was in the ministry, but whether my dad was in the ministry or he had continued on to be a college football coach in a Division I program, if God called me to preach, I should preach. A lot of people walk, off, walk, walk around with, with, with street cred or father's credibility. It doesn't matter who your dad is. It matters who your God is. What is your purpose? Thirdly, what is your expectation? 
When it comes down to your why, what is your expectation? Do you expect God to bless you if you don't serve Him? I think so many Christians who know better say, well, I'd rather take good enough than the best. I'd rather be okay with, you know, putting together biblical principles and making money than going out and saying, God, I'll serve you with my life. I'm kind of saddened by how many young people are in this college that may never even go anywhere or serve God with your life because you've determined that you don't want to have a why and you don't care about the what. That may, that may be wrong. That may not be the case. And I believe that every time a chapel message is preached that God can change a person. I believe every time the word of God is open that his word would not return void. I believe that God works. And the reason why I bring sometimes some heat in chapels because I believe that God is working on your hearts and sometimes you're still holding back. What is your expectation? Do you expect God to bless? When you do less than your best for him. My parents used to always tell me, Jeremy, to do less than your best is sin. That challenged me. That it's always a sin to hold back from God. We talk about sin. We talk about other sin. But what about the Christian sin? We always want to talk about sins of commission that everybody else commits. But what about sins of omission? What we should have done but didn't. What is our expectation? What is going to be the end result of our life lived our way or our life lived God's way? Which one's going to have a better ending? As you young people are visiting, I appreciate you being here. The point of the matter is, you're going to make a determination in the next several years of your life on what you're going to do with the rest of your life. And you're either going to serve God or you're going to serve self. There's only two options on the shelf, serving God or serving self. And most, most of the time in our life, idolatry is more self than shelf. Most of us aren't bowing down and worshiping some sort of graven image or some sort of false god. We're just serving self. And that's just as much idolatry as anything else. In fact, according to the word of God, what is idolatry? It's when we make some image in our own image rather than recognizing that we're made in the image of God and we're to serve him with our lives. That we are to literally identify with who he is and that we're to let his identity show through us. What's the end result of your life lived your way rather than God's way? And does the end justify the means? The questions we need to ask ourselves today is, why am I here? Why are you here on earth? Why are you here in college? Why are you here in this chapel today? Why has God placed you in the position that he's placed you, around the people that he's placed you, in the time frame that he's placed you at this moment? Why? Why do we sometimes enter into ministry like Paul the Apostle who said basically, go ahead and judge me and examine me and criticize me and be critical towards me. But he said, look, why do I subject myself to this scrutiny? As a pastor, the expectation of my life, the qualification of my life is that I must be blameless. It's the first expectation of me. 
everything that I do, every person that I talk to, every place that I go, every situation that I find myself in is subject to scrutiny. Why? Is it worth it? Is the pressure and the stress of trying to lead people from carnality to spirituality worth it? Is it worth it for me to say, you know what, I, 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 can, I can forego a salary or I can forego the ability to buy a home or I can forego the ability to even have my wife, uh, you know, at, at the time I'm married, guys, so, you know, not, not a possibility for me to not lead about a wife right now, amen? But, but my children, my wife, my family, is it okay that they have to suffer so that I can serve God? These are whys that we have to ask ourselves behind the what that God's called us to. Why do we set ourselves up for rejection and ridicule? When Jesus was reviled, he what? He reviled not again. We had a business meeting last night. I didn't know what to expect going into it. The last time we had a business meeting, it wasn't good. I had a man that called me out in front of everybody else and said I was trying to lead the church in my own image. He didn't say it in quite that way, but he was basically saying, you're just trying to make us do what you want us to do. No, I just want you to follow God. I believe this is the way that God's led us. You know, it took, it took a little bit of time. It took me taking him to lunch. It took me loving on him a little bit. It took me investing in him to let him know that I care. It took me preaching his mom's funeral between that, that time and this time. Sometimes it just takes a little bit more effort, but at times you have to say, God called me here. He called me to these people. He called me to the ones that love me, and he called me to the ones that don't love me. He called me to the ones that want to hear, and he called me to the ones that go, la, 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 I can't hear you. He called me to the ones who say yes, and he called me to the ones who say no. He called me to the ones when I knock on their door, they invite me in, and he called me to the ones when I knock on their door, they slam the door and flip me off and say bad things about me. But that's what he's called me to do. That's my what. So what's my why? Paul said it this way in verse number 23, and this I do for the gospel's sake. He said, I do this because God has given me a calling on my life. Paul was, call, Paul was called out to be the preacher of the gospel of grace. He, he was kind of a new hybrid preacher. Uh, he, he was called out of Judaism. Then he went into this church at Antioch, which was full of all kinds of different people. And then he was going everywhere to the Jew first and then also to the Greek, right? And then he said, later, I'm going to the Gentiles. You Jews can be all upset and all mad and stuff. I'm going to the Gentiles. He said, I'm going with the gospel of grace. I'm going to tell people about this thing that God has given me, this, this, this dispensation of grace that God has given to me. And I do it for the gospel's sake. And so there's a why behind the what. What does it matter or why does it matter what I do? Number one, because of the salvation I've received. This is why I do it. Because I would be on my way to hell without Jesus Christ. Because he gave his life a ransom for me. Why? Because I've been saved. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. I'm the glorified God in my body and my spirit, which are God's. Who owns me? 
Who paid for me? Isn't it right for you to be able to use what you paid for? Did God pay for you? He should be able to use you in any way he wants and sees fit. You know, when I go to my garage and open up the cabinet that I keep my tools in and they're not there. Tyson! Where's my hammer? Oh, no, Dad. When did you use it? Uh, last week. Where'd you use it? Uh, backyard. Where's my hammer? Oh, no. Go to the backyard, find my hammer again. Been sitting in the rain for three days. Rusty, nasty brown. Mud all over it. Son, hope you have some allowance. Because I bought that. I expect to be able to use it. And I expect it to be available when I want it. And I expect it to be clean in its place. Because it's mine. You're not the world's. You're not the devil's. You're not supposed to be out of place, in a dirty place, rusting, doing something for yourself, or being allowed to be used by somebody else because you're not your own. You're God's tool. Be a tool in his hand. Stay available. Why? Because he saved you. Secondly, not just because of the salvation I received, but because of the Savior who rescued me. <laughs> He's worthy. He's worthy. I think sometimes we don't think about how good he is and what he's done for us. When the Savior reached down for me, he had to reach way down. He lifted me up from the pit, the horrible pit, in the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my going. He's given me a new song. He's been faithful. He's been good. He's never backed down from loving me. He's always been available to me. He never slumbers or sleeps. He's so faithful. How could I ever hold back? That's my why. Number three, because of the souls who need to be redeemed. Not only have I been saved, not only do I have a Savior, but wherever there are souls, there needs to be soul winners. I don't care where. Number one, God's there. Number two, they're there. So we should be. When Jesus went and sat down at the well, waiting on that woman at the well, he didn't sit down at the well because his feet were so weary that he couldn't move. He sat down on, on Jacob's well waiting on an opportunity to talk to somebody about Christ. There are souls who need to be redeemed. They're all around us. And guess where we don't reach them? Sitting in our ministerial offices, sitting in our church pews, sitting around doing nothing and being rejoicing about the fact that we're saved. Look, look, if you, if you rejoice that you're saved, find somebody who needs the Savior. If you have a Savior, it shouldn't be so selfish of you to, to hang out and just spend all your time by yourself going, praise God, I'm going to heaven. Number four, why? Behind my what? Because of the saints who ran before us. Now, I love reading Hebrews 11. What an awesome chapter. Sometimes you find somebody who's faithful for a day and sometimes somebody who's faithful for a life. Sometimes they, they did good for a long time and some of them only did good for a day or so. And, but 
But they, they were used by God because of faith. But I love what it says at the very end of that chapter where it says that they without us should not be made perfect. They were people of whom the world was not worthy. They were sawn asunder. They had had women who, who had their dead then raised to life again, thank God. But some who lost their lives and you're telling me that their lives were of less value than than our lives just because they went before so that we could have the hope of the gospel in our generation. Those who brought the gospel to me deserve to have more fruit for their labor. I don't just want to plant a a fruit tree in my yard that produces one more seed. I want a fruit tree in my yard that grows up and continues to produce fruit after fruit after fruit that those seeds can be taken and plant fruit tree after fruit tree after fruit tree so that we can continue to populate heaven with the, with the good news of Jesus Christ on this earth. Amen. Saints who ran before us, they deserve our sacrifice too because they sacrifice so that we can have what we have. Number five, why? Because of the scriptures that reveal God's will to me. Huh. You know, these scriptures don't tell me to sit around and do nothing. They reveal that God wants me to be active. What does God want in my life? Jesus was talking to his disciples right before he goes to the cross. He said, here is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. He said, this is, this is the way to be a true representation of me. Be fruitful. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. The scriptures tell me that the way that I'm going to be glorifying to God is by carrying out the word of God. Be doers of the word and not Not just hearers, because you should be hearers. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. The scriptures tell us to act upon what God has told us. What God has told us. What God has told us has a why behind it. Because of the scriptures that reveal God's will to me. Number six. Why do I preach the gospel? Why do I go forward in the ministry? Because of the satisfaction of rewards in heaven. Because of the satisfaction. Listen. We ought to serve God whether he does anything for us or not. But he's already promised us that I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered the heart of man the things that God's prepared for those that love him. When Peter comes and says, Lord, we left all to follow thee. What are we going to get? He said, well, some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. And in the life to come, eternal life. We have already been given more than what we deserve. But he's still going to give us much more in eternity. Have you ever studied the crowns? It's a beautiful thing to study the crowns. And you go, boy, I want that one. The only one I don't really want is the martyr's crown. Amen. I'll be honest. Tommy, I was talking to your dad one day. He's like, man, that's the one I want. I'm like, bro, bro God bless you. God bless you. You can have that one. I'll, I'll be right there next to you while you cast it at Jesus' feet, man. I'll be like patting you on the back, you know. You can have the martyr's crown. 
satisfaction of rewards. Listen, I preached yesterday morning. I better tell, no, I don't have time. Yeah, I'm going to take time anyways. I preached yesterday morning on when James and John and their mother went to Jesus. And they asked him for the seats on both sides of him in the kingdom. You know, the apostle's going to rule and reign with Jesus Christ, right? And, and uh, there's going to be 12, 12 thrones with Jesus, and they're all going to serve the people, right? That's, it's a servant's throne. It's not a leader's throne, per se. They're all going to look to the leader, Jesus Christ. But they wanted to be as close to Jesus as they could be. And all the other 10 uh, apostles, disciples, they all got mad about it. And Jesus said, hey, time out. They weren't looking for mastery. They weren't looking to rule. They were just wanting to be close to me. Let the greatest among you, let him be your servant. They just wanted more. Why? They were like, man, if there's rewards to be had, let's go. Why do you guys play stupid games? Starbucks app sends you a game, right? Play these crazy games to try to get extra points to get more coffee, right? Anybody ever do that? Nobody? I can't believe that. Yeah, that's what I thought. I knew Julie would do it, yeah. Miss Starbies. She didn't even call it Starbucks. She's so close to it, she calls it Starbies, you know? And no, no, nothing like having a pet name for your favorite coffee, amen? My wife, my wife plays these games sometimes when she's sitting there, she's trying to get extra points so she can get some extra free coffee. Why? Because people like rewards. Any guys a part of any rewards programs? Anybody? Do you, do, you, do you like earning rewards? Anybody? Guess what? The Lord knows you. He made you. He established you the way you are. And he knows that rewards will motivate you. You know, that could be a why behind your what? The satisfaction of, I don't want to go to heaven and not be able to cast anything at his feet. It's not about me. It's about him. But can you imagine getting to heaven with nothing to offer? I heard a song yesterday. What a blessed song it was. It said, the last thing I want to do, the last thing I want to do is serve you. The last thing I want to do in this life is serve the Lord. I don't ever want to quit. I don't want to die young. I don't want to be taken out of ministry because my why did not continue through with my what. There's too many guys falling by the wayside, too many pastors' wives destroying ministries because they're living in sin. Number seven. Why? Because of the selfishness of rejecting the mission that God's called us to. If he's called you, why would you ever say no to the one who gave his life for you? If he was willing to die for you, why would you not be willing to live for him? And then number eight, because of the stain of requirement for the absent watchman. The book of Ezekiel we find that the watchman that was not where he was supposed to be paying attention and helping the people to not be killed would have the blood of their souls on his hands. Some people said, oh, that's just the Old Testament. That's not what Paul believed. Because when Paul was talking to the people of Ephesus when he was at Miletus, in Acts chapter number 20, he said, I am free from the blood of all men. I don't want to go to heaven with a bunch of stains on my hands of people that I should have reached and I didn't. Of souls that the Lord put in my path that I passed by. I don't want to be such a priest and a Levite who have a what behind my name 
that I'm going to pass by a beaten and bloody and half-dead man on the road and think, oh, God bless you, buddy, and not stop and help. I want to be the neighbor that the Good Samaritan was because I don't want that stain required of me. It's going to be a lot of blood on our hands, I think. Blake was telling me that story about when he was at work and met Bill Fisher on hospice. Blake, it was, it was, it was, it was touch and go there whether you're going to stop by and talk to him again. How many times have we been convicted to talk to somebody and we just passed them by? God called me to preach. He called me to win people. He called me to help people. How selfish of me to say, I want to do something else with my life instead of saying this I do for the gospel's sake. Get a why behind your what. Thank you for tuning in to Maverick Messages.